0: As we prepare to hear our scripture this morning, we continue in the narrative lectionary, Uh, today hearing a call story about the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet in the 8th century BCE. He was located in the southern kingdom of Judah in the city of Jerusalem, and he was prophesying at a time when the Assyrian Empire, a neighbor to the east, was growing in power And came in and conquered the northern kingdom of Israel and destroyed much of the southern kingdom where uh, Isaiah was. So Isaiah was prophesying primarily to uh, kings and priests, wealthy advisors, the leaders of the city of Jerusalem. Basically prophesying to them to uh, remember to worship the one God and also to care for the widows and orphans, uh, to look out for those on the margins. Uh, The first part of the book of Isaiah is pretty much um, a call of God's judgment against the leaders for failing to follow in God's way. And in the story that we're going to hear this morning, um, there is political turmoil. The king has died. uh, The nation is in turmoil. And Isaiah receives a renewed call uh, to prophecy. So let us listen for the word of God.
1: Today's reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of God's robe filled the temple. Seraphs were in attendance above God. Each had six wings. With two they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of God's glory. The doorposts and thresholds shook at the voices of those who called, and the house filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me. I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. Yet my eyes have seen the King, the God of hosts. This is the word of God for the people of God.
0: Will you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, calls can come at any time in our lives. Isaiah seems to prove this this morning as he has sort of a mid-prophecy call, a mid-life call call. A, a mid-career sort of recalibration of his call. Isaiah has already been prophesying for some time when he has this vision at the temple. He had already been in the court of the king uh, prophesying to them, calling the king and the leaders back to God's ways to worship one God, to care for widows and orphans and those on the margins. And he was a good prophet as prophets go. But then turmoil happens, the king dies, and the nation is thrown up into upheaval. You might be able to imagine what it's like when there's a transition of power and the nation is in upheaval. The people are worried about royal succession and stability. They're worried about the growing power of the Assyrian Empire, which is growing in might and power and weaponry and seems like a formidable foe. The people are worried about injustice and who will have power and what will happen to the people on the margins. And so its it's in this context that Isaiah gets this renewed call. It actually starts as a vision of Isaiah going into the temple, the holy of holies. And there, Isaiah is overwhelmed by the holiness of God. He sees God, or he sees actually just the hem of God's robe. That's what fills the temple, and he's overcome with a sense of God's might and majesty and awe. And Isaiah sees these winged creatures, these seraphim, Uh, flying around and singing holy, holy, holy is our God. For Isaiah, the vision is almost too much to take in. It's too big. It's too powerful and awesome. It's a moment when he realizes just how big God is and how small he is. I had someone uh, describe it this week as like when you go out in, in a summer's night in the middle of nowhere and you look up and you just see the stars. And you see how big the universe is and how how small we are in comparison. And so Isaiah is both uh, awe-induced and sobered in this experience. And he seems to wonder all of a sudden, what am I doing? He says, woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. In other words, I'm not worthy of this call. I shouldn't be here i can't be in this presence this is beyond my job description i wonder if you've ever felt this way like you've ever been called to a task such as much bigger than what you thought and you wonder who am i what am i doing if so you're in some good company because there is story after story in scripture of prophets who initially are like no way i can't do this There's Moses who, when God calls, comes and and calls and says, come, let me, uh, help me get the people out of Egypt. And Moses is like, no, God, I can't do this. I stutter. Could you just send my brother Aaron instead? There's Jeremiah who's called to prophesy. And uh, when he gets the call, Jeremiah says, but God, I'm too young. Surely I'm not made for this. Even Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the angel Gabriel comes to her and says she will bear God's son, she says, how can this be? I am but a young girl. All of them seemingly ill-equipped, all of them quick to discount themselves, all of them a bit fearful for the task to which they are being called, and yet God still calls them. And not only that, but God equips them. In Isaiah's vision, a seraph, one of those attendant beings, uh, goes to the altar and gets a coal and bring it brings it to Isaiah and puts it on his lips, kind of that refining fire, that purifying fire. And the seraph says, your guilt is departed, your sin is blotted out. In other words, your lips are made new in God's presence, so you can go out and speak. Whatever fears or insecurities or guilt or worries were holding Isaiah back, God removes it and basically says, but I still call you. I still need you. Whom shall I send? And Isaiah responds, Here I am. Send me. It's a difficult thing to recognize our unworthiness or our inadequacies and yet still step into the task at hand. And yet I think that is what God is inviting from us, especially in this moment of just transition and upheaval in our world. I've been thinking about this for myself as I have had a lot of experiences of this lately. Uh, even just in the last couple of weeks, um, about two weeks ago I led respond to racism and I had been asked about a month ago to lead the group to f- help focus on self care. And I thought, well, sure, you know, I can, I can do that. I know about self care. I can hold space. And then uh, they said, well, actually, it's going to be the night before the election. And I thought, well, that's a little weighted, but okay, sure, I can still do self-care and I can, I can do that. And then as I was meeting with the leadership, um, most of whom are people of color, I realized as we were talking that we had some different ideas about um, what self-care might feel like or what it might entail. And... Um, As I listened, I I began to to just wonder. And so as any good researcher, I kind of went home and I began to Google like self-care and racism. And who knew my whole world opened up. Did you know that there are entire conferences um, that address how to decolonize self-care from white supremacy? Because I didn't know that. Did you know that there are whole websites devoted to self-care and racialized stress? Basically, uh, how to help people of color just navigate daily life in America today? Because I'm sad to say, I didn't know that either. And as I began to look at all of this and read, I had this sort of Isaiah in the temple moment of like, woe is me. I am a person of unclean lips. I am uh, a bit ignorant here. I have a lot to learn. And I don't think I am up for this task. And it was that sense of realizing how big and sacred something else is and how small and sort of inconsequential I well, fortunately uh, for me, I have a lot of great colleagues and friends and people that came alongside me uh, in my time of preparation to uh, say, yeah, you actually do, you have, you have some things to learn, but that's okay, you are also equipped for this task and God will equip you and God will be with you and uh, we are here with you too. It reminds me of a quote that I used to have pinned over my desk. Clearly I need to get back out, which says, uh, God does not call the equipped. God equips the called. And I just love it because it's a reminder that God calls us whether we like it or not, and that even in the midst of our weakness, even when we think we are not up to the task, God calls us to serve and to speak and to share God's love and message in the world. Well, friends, we are also in a time of deep transition and upheaval and change individually and collectively as we face the political divisions, pandemic, systemic racism and white supremacy, climate change and the very real injustices of the world. And I think God may be giving many of us a midlife vision change, a recalibration that we are having not just as individuals, but even as a church where we realize maybe a new part of our call, a new way to be the church. And, and the task at hand may feel really big. There may be ways that we feel really small. And yet in the midst of it is our God calling us and equipping us and asking us, whom shall I send? Who will go for me? My sense is that God is calling us into this time with whatever gifts we've been given, whatever platforms we've been giving, passions we've been giving, to step into this moment, to be God's voice and hands and hearts, to be the body of Christ, to be the church in the world which means every single gift is needed. No matter how small we think it is, no matter how insignificant or inadequate or inconsequential, God longs for us to say, here I am, send me. I can see this happening all around us, even now. All I have to do is sort of look back at the last year to see the way this is unfolding in our very in front of my very own eyes. I mean, who would have known that a year ago we would be here now? Uh, Nine months into a pandemic, having our church closed, doing so much of our life online. And yet in the past year, we have had people show up and uh, share gifts and help us learn how to be a church in the midst of a pandemic. I think about uh, a couple, Sarah and Marilis, who have uh, come in the last year or so and who run their own video production company. And so when we had to come online, here were people that knew how to help us do it, who were willing to give us tips and help, not just our church, but the whole conference on how do you video and how do you make this work? I think about uh, Jim, our resident Epidemiologist who used to work for the CDC, what are the odds of having someone like that in the congregation who can step up and be part of our COVID team and spend time with us and help answer our questions as he did last week for a while about uh, all our COVID (laughs) concerns. I think about uh, Scott and Joyce, literally a a two-person orchestra who have an organ in their living room and have been willing in this time to make videos and send recordings of their music so that we can enjoy these gifts online. Even as we look at the past year and all of the um, ongoing uh, systemic racism and white supremacy and the protests and the way so much of it has come to a head, at least in a new way. And I think about all the people for whom this has been a passion for their lives, people who have been studying and educating themselves, people in our church who've been involved and respond to racism for a long time and how they are stepping up to help us, lead us and guide us into this time. Or as we nurture our children, I'm thinking about all of those helping to meet our church school children where they are, which is at home right now. So creating church in a box, reading stories online, uh, delivering the boxes to home so that we can continue to love and nurture and equip our children to live in this world. I think about all the people who have stepped up their financial generosity, giving to the church to support our ministries so that we can live into these times as we learn how to be the church in new ways. People who um, are giving in part because some of the other ways that they've been able to give have been curtailed because of COVID. And this is a way they can continue to make a difference. All of these gifts are needed, especially... In these times. And as I think about our own vision as a church, as I think about sort of where God is calling us, we have a lot of dreams. We have a lot of ways that we feel God is calling us to be the church in these times. And um, our 2021 plan, which you'll receive in, in the mail if you haven't already, spells out a lot of these. But we have visions We have visions to continue to be a dynamic worshiping community, even while we're online. And also when we get back into the building, that we want to create ways to make worship meaningful for those who are able to return uh, right away, those who will prefer a live stream worship for a while. Uh, We want to continue to uh, make worship powerful and relevant and for all to be able to access it. We want to continue to nurture our community, draw those connections to each other, certainly online through Zoom and and gatherings, but also when we meet in person. And we also want to expand our presence through social media so that others can know who we are, so that we can share our message with the world and so that we can help others find hope and meaning and connection. We want to help all of us grow in our faith from infants to elders. We want to provide ongoing opportunities for learning, growth, classes, and study. And we want to continue our mission giving, our partnership with Beit and We want to continue to fight homelessness and hunger, and we want to work to dismantle racism in our hearts and in our church and our community. These are all huge tasks. These are all um, insurmountable if we try to do them alone. But with God with us, with God equipping us, and with each of us sharing some of those gifts that we have been given, we can rise to the task. We can rise to the moment, and we can let God call us and equip us and move us into being the church for today. It's a bold vision, but God has made us the church for such a time as this, and God invites us to work together to share our gifts, our passions, our money, to help make these dreams happen. It's a big task, and we we may wonder if we have much to contribute, but I can tell you that we do that each of us is gifted, each of us has been called, and that God is there to equip us and give us hope and encouragement and help us step into this moment. So how is God calling you? What are the particular gifts that you have been given, and how might God be calling you to use these gifts in new ways for the good of the church and the good of our wider world? May we trust that God is calling us, that God is with us, that God is equipping us even for this moment now. And when we hear God ask, whom shall I send? May we respond, here I am, send me. Amen.